podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's your weekender with the Anfield Wrap, Neil Atkinson, Amelia Bonner, Mike Nevin and Adam Amelia. We are also going to be talking Josh Sexton's with Liam Smith uh, to talk about his upcoming fight. We've got Daniel Storey talking about women's football and Yawa Wusu uh, talking about the music project that's going on at Anfield. That's everything you need on your weekender to set it all up, but the football is back. Seven games left to go and Mike Nevin, how's your bottle? How are you feeling about Sunday? Not great. Um, I, th- I think in terms of the league games left, this is probably the hardest one I think we've got. Um, sounds a bit mad talking about a home game in, in, in that sense, but the, the, these are the, the, these are the best opposition that we've got to face. Uh, Spurs are a good side. I know they've lost loads this season, but they've been impre- when when they've won, they've been impressive. Um, and they, they they came through that period where where they were without Kane and Deli Ali really well. The irony is that since they've since they've come back, um, their results haven't been as good. But um, nonetheless, I think it's just that it's just that classic classic fixture, isn't it? Liverpool versus Spurs. The the history of it. I think um, it was something like between nineteen eighty five and. 1912 they hadn't won at Anfield they've won a few times since but yeah <laughs> um, 85 is quite a long time ago in my head it isn't but in your yeah. head yesterday yeah yes. so it, you know it, it, it's a difficult game I, I think if Liverpool win this one then you can you can see a path and it's, it, it seems like seven games feels like the run in now that the, the, the international break is, is out the way you know this is this is the thing now isn't it and and, and for everyone you know and as much as I'm delighted to still be in the Champions League, that is a little bit of a complication. It's a complication. The gla- the gaps are good, Adam. I think I was just looking before. The gaps are good between these games. The- everything looks quite nice. Set up for a big April. This one, we're going to talk about the team, the team news, all of that sort of stuff. But first and foremost, City play first. They play first a few times coming up and... I don't think that'll have a psychological effect in that what happens if they win, we've got to win. What happens if they draw, we've got to win. What happens if they lose, we've got to win. I think mm. that the, I think that everyone's a bit beyond that. But there is a point, isn't there, where this could become a little bit tiring. And uh, you just think, just start this off with a victory on Sunday. I mean, it just is that simple. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 pretty confident to be honest, which worries me because you know I'm not I'm not always I'm not always that confident, but. I think as long as our heads are right, um, we will we, we we will turn Spurs over. Um, their form is patchy at best. I think the the, the two legged Dortmund result probably puts a bit of a positive spin on what's been a difficult month and a half really for them results wise. Um, they you know they lost at Burnley. I watched that match. Um, they 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 lost another one as well. I can't remember what it was. I think they've lo- they've lost three, one, two, drawn one since the start of Feb. So, you know, it's not it, it's it's not it's not massively scary form. I know what Mike means though, because every time I've seen them under Poch, uh, they've been really good, and and I do I, I do think they're a good team. Um, but I think we're a really good team too, and uh, and and I think that uh, I, I'm going to try and try and not. Kind of build every every match up as the as, as the big one because I I think I did that for Fulham and I still think it was I think still I'm sort of sticking to saying that that was the big result because that was the, that was the real uh, straight on the back of a difficult European away and like you say the gap wasn't that wasn't great then and uh, it, it it proved to be a tough one so I'm 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 gonna um, I'm gonna try and I like, I like try and the, inject some calm into things I like the idea that Adam Mealy's gonna pick what does or doesn't quantify as the big one he's not having this one he's not having this one they're the same as well they're, they're the same if you think about it though because they they've got that same fixture haven't they at yeah. the weekend Fulham and um, they're looking at Man United um, is it Man United away? Man United away yeah. still to play. And they've got to play Spurs, and yeah. and they've got that, that trio of awkward away games. So you, you you've got to put the, 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 that in perspective as well. The way they're thinking, as as opposed to the way that we're thinking, of, uh, looking at our away game, our our remaining fixtures. So I'm trying really hard, and I haven't been able to do it yet, to not think of the wider context and like draw the red string lines between everything that's going on for everyone that influences and the flap of a butterfly's wing means that we do or don't win the league. I think that. It goes for kind of Spurs being in the Champions League and whether that's a more important game to them, whether it is or not playing Manchester City in the Champions League and playing Liverpool in the Premier League. They're both important games and they're going to want to win them both. 
I think them having had a bad run of things doesn't mean that we feel any more confident. It means that they're coming into it going, we win this one after the international break. And I think that... Or we don't lose. Because yeah, that's what I think yeah, it's interesting. I think it quite, can quite easily become for them, don't lose. They're, they're going for this race for fourth. And that's why yeah. I think early in the season, I was looking at this game thinking this was going to be one where they were going to turn up Amelia and be like, we've got to, we're duking it out with Liverpool. It's one, mm. if we're going to win this league and get back, back past them. Mm. But since then they've had the bad run and now it is one where you do wonder that they might just be a little bit more don't lose. No, for sure. And I think like there's no discounting the finishing top four is well it's not gonna be as important to them as staying in the Champions League race obviously but it's still it's something that you would like to do and I just think that Spurs Liverpool City everyone needs to we especially need to treat every game as just that game and stop trying to kind of look at all of the things that are going on around it and all the other games in hand and the kind of like do you know what I mean thinking are you just that rejecting context? narrative I'm fine with it I'm, it's got my full no, I support think, but I think I'm re- I'm, I've been tying myself up in knots thinking about kind of like right well if they come to us for this and then the next game is this and, and I think I just need to think we turn up we play really good football and we win that's what the, I'm thinking yeah. also I'm glad that the bit of narrative has gone about Tottenham never drawing all season I was I, I, I that was I had portents of doom about us being <laughs> their first draw I could just see it coming a mile off so I was I was made up when they drew with Arsenal yeah um, and, and I think I don't know I think it, I think we've it's, it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what Klopp says and, and what, what his press conference says because I like it. I, I think it might be one where he sets the mood a bit but it feels like everyone has uh, given their head a wobble a bit and we, we are hoping to have I mean I, I feel quite refreshed after this international break, don't know why, but um, resting your legs. It's, it's possibly doing the live shows with uh, with the Anfield rap in Ireland, but um, yeah, I feel, I feel like it's been a break, and, uh, and 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 that and that people will be looking forward to playing with the lads again. Well, I think what's I think you can have the conversation, Mike, about when about City get to play first and all that sort of stuff, and I think that's a really valid conversation that it could it could make a difference. It might not. But I'll tell you what, when people's you said, heads always fall off after City win, no matter yeah. what. Yeah, so yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll beat Fulham and everyone will go, oh, plan, it's over. And plan, plan for City winning. But Mike, there is there is a thing here where I don't know if I like the kick-off time. That's come nice for us. Half one Sunday, I'd have been thinking, oh no. Half twelve Saturday after an international break, I'd have been doubling down on my <laughs> I'd have been own moaning. Moves. I'd have been moaning now. I'd have been if it was always away, half twelve after the international break. It's one where I'm expecting, yeah. I'm expecting a lot from Anfield on Sunday yeah, in a good way. I think, I think like basically. Sunday Sunday games traditionally you, you expect a lesser atmosphere than you do on a Saturday, maybe a less a lesser atmosphere than you do on a Saturday night. But it's got to that stage of the season now where surely everyone can just write off Mondays. <laughs> yeah. We've done that, honest to God. I mean, and then you think back to um, City in twenty fourteen, yeah, and that was that was absolutely riotous. I'm not quite sure what time that that kicked off. Oh, it was it was it was oh no it was, it was it, that was actually one o'clock. That was an that was a Sunday after, early afternoon. So you know, the, 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 there's a benchmark. We're, we're talking about three and a half hours or two and a half hours later than that. Um, I don't really think it becomes an issue at it's half past four on any day of the it's week. Also, Mother's it. Day, Mike. Any uh, oh. uh, what, what do you think of, in terms of how, does that make it better or worse of an atmosphere? It it's called an friend. absolute murder at home. But I'm I mean, pre- I'm not pre- just your home. I imagine. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I so, Mother's Day to Saturday. I think, personally. We, need to har- <laughs> I think, I think we need to harness the uh, harness the hatred of the mothers. To be perfectly honest, let them go out and have their day. Um, we'll meet th- them after. Yeah, with three points in our back pockets, and, and you know, and a song what, in our hearts. What a, what, a per, what a perfect Mother's Day evening that is! Uh, can you have a day evening? I don't know. But all, all in Sweeties. No, I mean, it, 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 it is a good t- kick off time with Liverpool because you know people will have had a bevy, and, and I know that sound. It, 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 it shouldn't matter that, should it? Really, but oh, it does, it, to a game of football. But I think the fact that people have had a day. Um, and you, you grow into that day, and the clocks are changing as well. I'm keep adding in extra. <laughs> I'm not the clocks I'm, will have changed. I'm not happy about losing. Will that make, it, will that make but, it lighter um, or darker? No, I mean, let, let's, let's get, I never let, know. Let's, Darkness let's get, makes a difference. Let, let, <laughs> let's get this bastard brass tacks out. Uh, Come on, um, no, I mean, it's it's just a massive game. I mean, it. I know, I know what Amelia's saying. Like, just take away the the, the the context of you know everything around it, but it's a huge game for Liverpool. This and. They have to win it because if they don't win it, I think people will start saying it's gone, and that that that's the key. Yeah, yeah, and because it isn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be. But if it does go wrong, a series of other things have to go wrong for other people for it not to be over. I think probably I don't know. I think it's going into it absolutely acknowledging how big a game it is and not trying to be like we'll just go and play a game because it's not that I think it, it's maybe going into it rather than seeing Spurs at home as the moment that we fuck it up seeing it as like the point where we start to run away with it because after that it all gets a lot easier and maybe giving it the gravity it deserves but in a positive way 
we can't afford to give City any more any extra impetus. I think that's what it is. So they lost to Newcastle, and I think the following night we drew with Leicester. Leicester. So that, that at that point we we could have we could have put the hammer down a bit on, on in you know and, and and taken they were they were flagging anyway and the fact that we didn't meant that they've gone and won all the rest of their games so we so I think they're flagging a little bit now we'll, we'll time will tell but we can't afford to to give them the extra little bit that they that they need to turn to turn you know difficult draws on sixty into wins or you know you know they, it, when they're when they think they're on top like they did at Newcastle and then, you know, the quick fire, get, get, it, there's, a, there's a turnaround instead of it being they were already 4-0 up at half-time kind of thing. It's those it's those things that, that, that weirdly, it, there, there is an impact and it doesn't exist in a vacuum. So that's, that's what I'd say. I don't think it's over, but I think that we will give them a bit of extra impetus that, that, that we could do without them having. There is, last little thing on all of this, Adam, is... I think the Champions League is really good. Mike said before it's a little bit strange. I think also the fact that it's Porto in the last state makes it a little bit strange. It's not a European giant coming. It feels a bit more last sixteen, whereas Munich felt a bit last eight, last four. Mm. There is there is a thing here though where where I think if Liverpool are looking for something to take the pressure off, it isn't league or bust, and I think that's really useful right now for all of us. It isn't league or bust, and I, that's maybe that's why I'm relatively relaxed. I know how big this is and how desperate I am to win the league. But I expect us to get a result against Tottenham. But if we don't, there's Porto home and away uh, to come, and it's not gone anyway. But there's Porto home and away to come, and I think that that that, that can can help these players. They they don't have to kick every fo- every football like it. It means absolutely everything, and I think that's no bad thing. Yeah, it was. I I think Munich uh, and then the draw was huge, and 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 completely changed I know that completely kind of changed how I was feeling about the Champions League sometimes cups open up in front of you and and, and you have to be you have to have got to the stage let's not forget we had a very difficult path to this stage so thus far but now we're here it it has it has opened up in front of us and um and, and I think that the the what we can what we can take from that is 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 we now we can now see what's going to happen in front of us and you can imagine the team kind of Taking, get, getting some momentum, uh, building up ahead of steam in in that with, with the idea of Europe. I think it, you know for for the whole season, I, I thought like for example Salah, well, you, you know, we, I could see revenge in his eyes as soon as the season started. So the fact that we, we that the wish that, that he can still see that is just going to spur him on, and he is one of those players that that will bounce from game to game, and 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 you know as soon as he as soon as he starts hitting the net again, it it, it could that could be the thing. So mm. you know the, the draw was great, and it, again I feel like it may, maybe it's been a bit forgotten. Like I said about as soon as you beat Fulham, everyone forgets how big we said it was before. The draw, you know, but that, that was the draw we said we wanted, wasn't it? We wanted Porto, we wanted City to get Tottenham. So it's it, it, as as well as it being a, a a big thing for us, and at the minute doesn't look too taxing. Um, I mean, it might be a different thing if we do have a two-legged tie against Barcelona towards the and also end of the season. Let's, let's be fair, Porto could play well, and and that happens. Yeah. And not everything might not box for us like it did last season. Porto could play well. I think the the having the, the home leg first helps us as well, though. Mm. I think I think everything everything at the minute I agree with that. Everything at the minute has has kind of landed exactly as 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 you'd plan it. Uh, so the, the, there is there is definitely something in there where we where we're a bit lackadaisical. I think around Porto, but I expect us to get through. When um, I think it was last month um, when Klopp said like neither one of them becomes more important. We don't sack one of them for the other and everyone's head fell off. But I think having gotten through what were far more difficult matches than this and getting to this point now, like it's obviously the right approach to say that, you know, God forbid something goes wrong on on Sunday. It is still there. It, neither of them are lost. They're both still absolutely possible. The other thing that he's got all of a sudden, Mike, is... And City have got the same, and it's worth saying that. It's important to say that. But what he's also suddenly got now, without going into the specifics of who he should or shouldn't pick against Tottenham, because we'll do that We'll do that in a little while, but he's suddenly got a fair few lads back available. That suddenly, it's actually difficult. If you, it, I was saying before, it's actually difficult to pick a bench. Like, you, mm. you could get to a point where you're actually not picking people on benches who previously have looked nailed on for 18s. You know, he may have to pick between Oxley Chamberlain and Shakiri, between Sturridge and Origi. Uh, that you know that he may well have. Go, does he put Gomez and Lovren on the same bench if he starts Matip? But does he put Matip on? Do you know what I mean? It could actually get to the point here where he's, he's struggling to pick an eighteen, never mind an eleven, and that and that hasn't looked likely for the last few months. No, not at all. And obviously, with the likes of um, well, Gomez in particular. I mean, if he's going to be useful, and uh, uh, Oxley Chamberlain as well, if he's going to be useful in the last 
whatever six games of the season across both competitions they're going to need some form of, of reintegration from the bench none of them are going to I, I can't see any of them starting a game so they've got to come from the bench and then circumstances will dictate whether they'll get the opportunity to come on in 20 you know in the, for the last 20 minutes or so whether we're 2-0 up against someone or where yeah, I don't know but basically yeah unless unless they they get the chance to to get some minutes then they're not really going to have the chance to ultimately be, be be part of the running um as first team picks i think with somewhat with with both gomez and Cha- uh, oxley chamberlain you'd like to think that come a European Cup final come at a last league game of the season they were sufficiently up to speed to start now I think that's a little bit I, I don't know I, I think it's a little bit of an unrealistic ambition given the time that both of them have been out but at the same time you want them as options I, I think I think there's a I think from the comments that we've had from 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 Klopp and the types of injuries, I think there is a, actually a distinction to be made between between Oxley Chamberlain and Gomez. I think you're yeah. you're right about Oxley Chamberlain with everything yeah. you've just said, but I I expect he's not injured I, anymore. He's, he's not injured anymore, yeah. and I, I I also think that we're probably getting to the point where Matip could do with a with a breather. He usually doesn't play this many games in a row. I expect Joe Gomez to be back. I don't. I mean, I'd, I'd love it if he threw him in against Tottenham because I love I love Joe Gomez and I think it's amazing how well we've done without him. To be honest, considering how much of an important part of the team fair he was. Fair play in the first to Matip for that, season. by the way. Fair play to Matip, definitely. But I think that he might. I, I'd 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 love it if he threw him back in at Tottenham, but I think he I think he'll play against Southampton. Um, coming up, we've got Liam Smith, we've got Yao Wusu, and we've got Daniel Story. This is your weekender, and we'll be back with Amelia, with Mike, and with Adam. And I'm going to say that I think Joe Gomez starts right back against Tottenham. You've got that to look forward to. <laughs> Delighted to be joined by Daniel Story from Football 365. We wrote a really interesting piece about the history of women's football and the future of it. We're obviously going to focus on both of those parts. But one of the reasons why the piece grabbed me was it told the story of the secret history of how the Football Association, which should obviously be abolished, uh, has spent many a year spending its time uh, trying to suppress women's football throughout the game. And it's a little bit of a secret history in that it's not, an, it's not a secret that's kept secret. It's just that people don't talk about it anywhere near enough, and Daniel chose to. And Daniel, it is, it is fair to say that for 70 years, the Football Association was very much committed to the idea that women would not play football in this country. Yeah, that's absolutely right. In the late 1800s, uh, women's football was um, growing in popularity to the extent that it was almost, I'd say, level with, with the men's game without, without much help at all. Uh, and the FA first moved to, uh, to, to ban women from, from playing on football association pitches and, and told men's clubs that they could be punished if they allowed that women to, to train or use their facilities. And, and then more formally, uh, in 1921, uh, when women's football was 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 more popular than men uh, during the First World War, when when the men went off to war, women moved into the factories, and that enabled them to kind of forge this football culture, this football community, whereby they wanted to play on Saturdays, and and women's teams were incredibly successful. They were playing in front of 50,000 people in this country, which I think people probably now. Uh, cannot even imagine um and yeah in 1921 the fa they, they effectively banned women's football and then in the 1940s they doubled down on that given the chance to to remove the ban that they call women's football evil and it wasn't until until 1971 that that ban was was lifted it's that story is when we then have conversations about the women's game now it's recent developments i'm not going to say renaissance because i don't think that's fair or true but it's recent development, it's it's recent access to greater and greater crowds, it's recent on-off support, which is still, you know, very much short of where it needs to be. The context of all of this mm. is to say that this was, you know, the, the, this is almost trying to uh, trying to help something that was suppressed for this long. Yeah, and, and one of the one of the points I make in the article is that kind of preempting and and also reacting to a number of columns that have been written by people saying, well, hang on a minute, this is just positive discrimination. This is helping you know we're helping women's football but actually it doesn't it doesn't get the audiences that that this help deserves and to me that's an absolute nonsense because you don't get to do that you don't get to suppress something for so long and then say well hang on a minute we shouldn't help these people they don't deserve it they're not getting the crowds they deserve they're not getting the crowds they deserve and the pairs aren't played as much and therefore aren't as good as the men and one reason of that is because that it was suppressed for 50 years i think we have a a very modern uh 
demand to kind of compare everything to the men's game. And that's something that women's sport in general suffers from, I think. I think we say, well, you know, they're not as good as the men's, so why do they deserve our help? Well, A, it's a completely different sport. Um, B, it's been you know, kind of shat upon for, for, or was shat upon for 50 years. And now, yes, now it does deserve some support because the, the progress the sport has made is completely off its own back. It is completely done through goodwill, through... Uh, determination through a desire to, to to kind of right the wrong that of those 50 years and and good on them for that it's to then deal with the present this is in the context of the barclay the barclays deal uh for the women's super mm. league and to and and also the, the the huge crowd that the game's been getting in spain and also at the same time framed by the uh, champions league quarterfinals that have been taking place chelsea through to the champions league last four um in, mm-hmm. in, in, this this time out, it seems as though it's interesting you say there that it's like it's like a different game. And Michael Calvin's excellent book, he interviews Emma Hayes, and Emma's quite open about that. That tactically, a lot of what works in men's football just simply doesn't work in doesn't work in uh, in, the, in in the women's game. Like it, it, you almost have to mm. you almost have to switch your brain first and foremost to think about it a little bit differently. Yeah, and, and look, the fact that there wasn't women's football for so long means it suffers through that that lack of comparison it means that you know if we compare uh, the greatest footballers of now to yesteryear you know that tactically the game has changed uh, physically and, and and medically the game has come on in you know it, it is a completely different sport to, to the men's game that was played 34 years ago but women's sport doesn't have a women's football doesn't have that comparison so it's fighting a, a for a lack of comparison because what inevitably happens is that we therefore compare it to the men's game today rather than the women's game of yesteryear um, it is completely different, but that doesn't mean that it isn't growing exponentially, both in popularity and in quality. And look, I'm not stupid. Part of the reason that uh, you know people roll their eyes at, at things like my article is that they feel like there's a you know they feel like the phrase I get the most is "all oh, women's football is being rammed down my throat." And part of this is a kind of culture of to- toxic masculinity, whereby men feel that something that they feel is in, in kind of inherently theirs, football, is being uh, kind of swarmed across by by women's football, and you know I'm I'm not going to be able to change anyone's mind on that. Uh, I completely disagree with them. I, I angrily disagree with them, but I'm not going to change those minds. But like it or not, the examples you mentioned, you know, the Barclays sponsorship, the the progress of English clubs in the Champions League, that is going to happen. You know, there's nothing that you can do about that. It doesn't matter how frothy mouths you get on Twitter about it. Nothing is going to change that. This is going to grow because there is a, you know, there is a demographic for it and there is a, a fan base for it. And, and that makes me very happy. It's one where, you know, to talk about the future, but link it back into the past. I think part of what you're saying there is that, for instance, I have, if I want to discuss the decline of the FA Cup, I have Ronnie Radford's goal to call back on yep. and all of this sort of stuff. That effectively, the, not only is there not women's football, but also the women's football that has been in this country, at least from the early 70s, there isn't very much media there's not very much footage. There's not very much example. You know, you can't no. you can't call back on it. And and what I think is really interesting about the, the 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 point where the women's game is and why you know it wouldn't necessarily hurt people to be a little bit more open minded is that you're actually getting to see the beginnings of something. And that surely should be exciting. That's what I'd like to think, at least. You know, you're getting to see something that maybe in 10, 15 years' time we'll be looking back on and going, "Good lord, we haven't half come on leaps and bounds since 2019." Yeah, absolutely. And there is something, as you say, inherently pure about women's football in that, you know, we are all uh, obsessives and lovers of, of, of football in men's football in 2019. But there are elements of the sport that are pretty distasteful and that we, we choose to ignore or put to one side morally because we love the sport and we don't want to feel like it's been tarnished in our, in our minds. But women's football is a, is, a, is a pure version of that. It is It is a sport in its infancy, but it's a sport that is growing like no other uh, and the example set by you know for example the US uh, women's team in the in the 90s moving onward shows that because we have a, a you know an established football culture in this country when you combine that established football culture with uh, a sport that is determined to grow like women's football is it is only going to go one way whatever people might think or say about it uh, last little bit is what what how do we when you talk about support, and I'm intrigued because I do think that there's so many, there's so many mm. things still to be ironed out. You know, not least I. There's mm-hmm. been a couple of times recently where Liverpool's women have been kicking off literally at the same time as Liverpool's Liverpool's men's sides. You know, and I'm talking about games against Bayern Munich. You know, so it's not even a comparison yeah. between what's the bigger game. 
it, there is still there's still so much to do, isn't there, on the administrative side? Before we even talk about the players, before we even talk about how they kick the ball, how they move around the pitch, the tactical setup. This, when we talk about infancy, we are still talking about a game where you know at every level, right the way down to grassroots, where administration still seems to be, still seems to do so much more work and and make so much progress. It is, it's again, I'll say again, it should be an exciting gauntlet, but it is a gauntlet still to be thrown down. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 there's kind of two elements to that. Firstly, you're absolutely right. Um, there does need to be more administrative and logistical uh, support given from the men's game because the men's game, you know, particularly at the highest level, is, is awash with money. And it, both Manchester United and Tottenham's women's teams are going to get promoted most likely to the to the WSL this this season, which means that next uh, next season you will have Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester, you will have that top six in the men's game reflected in the women's game and there does need to be greater support. But the other thing, the other thing I kind of wanted to stress in the article, it maybe didn't come across that well, is that there is no, no one's telling people they have to watch women's football. No one's saying you have a moral obligation to go and watch women's football. If you don't want to do that, fine, that's no problem. The point is that it's growing off its own back. So the, la- the least you can do is not try and trample it down. The least you can do is not try and be negative about it and try and you know, look down your nose at it. At least give it a fair, sh- a fair crack of the whip. At least give it a fair shot. Because I think you will be surprised that in, as you say, 10, 15 years time, we'll look back now and say, Jesus, it's come a hell of a long way since then. Yeah, no shadow of a doubt about that. I think that's a really, really valid point. Not everything is for everybody, but that doesn't mean that scorn should be poured on things that aren't for you. Thank you very much to Daniel. You can find his piece on football365.com. We'll make sure we tweet it out. Uh, it is available there. And uh, at DanielStory85 to get the uh, Twitter handle of Daniel. Uh, sat in what looks like a really, really rather lovely location in his Twitter avatar, where I suspect he isn't right <laughs> now, but he'll be, uh, you know, it's a nice enough day. Uh, thank you very much to him. And let's uh, let's get over and get on with everything else. It is the weekend, and I've got Josh Sexton. And Josh, you've done the second interview of a Smith brother. Uh, you're collecting them. Yeah, I am. Yeah, uh, Joel Sanderson Murray was saying before uh, how I've done two or four now, so I feel like I should be uh, should be completing the collection sometime soon. But we were lucky enough to be at the, the, at the uh, Smith Eggington press conference today, and I did get a chance to speak to Stephen and Paul. So I reckon I can say I've completed the set just as that. Uh, I think well, you've got that. But I, I like the sit down interviews. And this one, you got 15 minutes with Liam, and he came to the Anfield App Studio to do it as well, which was really kind. Uh, and it meant that just sort of being able to to really focus on the idea that he's getting to fight on this card in Liverpool, getting to fight on this card in his in his own city. The press conference was at the Cunard you know it does feel like a bit of an event for Liverpool this weekend in a weekend full of Liverpoolian events it's, it's massive yeah British boxing is, is, is really on the up right now and Liverpool's always been a, a really big part of the British boxing scene but it's but it's it's going to get that chance to really show that off this weekend you know the, the, the M&S Bank Arena as it's now called I wanted to call it the Echo then but I can't <laughs> uh, it's, it's sold out for this and, and you know all, all the lads I know have been working really hard selling tickets all the lads on, on the card and there's so much talent on there as well all, all sorts of fighters from Liverpool with, with different stuff stories and fights from all over the place who, who've also got great backing stories as well so yeah it's, it's going to be a really entertaining night of boxing you love your boxing don't you yeah um, so you follow it all the time you've done some interviews for us today not just of Liam with a few others as well but Liam himself is he's a hugely talented boxer and he's one who's you know he's He's, he's he's he looks in great shape. He seems in great shape. He seems really positive. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a strange one because he's one of them boxers who sort of can can tend to go under the radar a bit. He's he's had a couple of losses on his record, albeit in in sort of massive fights, fights that you know some boxers are, are, are criticised often for for not taking. And Liam's been taking them. And this this one is is a chance for him to pro- possibly re-establish himself on the world stage. So uh, so I really hope he can get the job done. Um, thank you very much indeed to our friends at Reds Bet for pulling all this together. Um, so this is our little chat with. Uh, um, Liam, in association with Redsbet. Hi, and welcome to the Anfield Rap Special. In association with Redsbet, I'm Josh Sexton. Delighted to be joined today by uh, Liam Beefy Smith. I asked Cameron about his nickname last time. I've heard a few rumours about yours. Can you explain it to us, though, just for, uh, just for the sake of it? <laughs> Mine has just come from um, when I was a kid. I was I was fat. I was, you know, I was a big kid. And Dad just called me Beefy. We had a bulldog called Beefy as well, a little fat bulldog. So. Um, I was called as a kid and then it just stuck with me ever since. It's not as cool as Callum's? Like no, it's not. Turtles, no, one, yeah. it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I rolled out the red carpet for Callum last time as well, so I'll do the same for you. You've held the uh, WBO, British and Commonwealth light middleweight titles. You've got a pro record of 26 wins, 14 by knockout, two defeats and one draw. So going into this, it's the 30th pro fight of your career. Where does this one rank among, amongst the fights you've had so far? And, you know, you've had some big ones over in America as well, but in terms of this being, you know, the importance you place on this one, where does it rank? Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm going to touch on. It's one of the most important, as in I'm coming off the back of a loss. Uh, obviously, I, I'm 30 now, so I want people to think, you know, I still, I'm, I'm still got something t- towards the back end of my career, and 
I've had some big nights, obviously, with Canelo, world title wins, and Jaime Munguia over in Las Vegas, but this is just as important. A win here puts me back on that trail towards towards you know another world title, and that's what I fully want to do. I want to be a two-time world champion. And Sam's got the same amount of fights as you, Sam Eggington, your opponent. He's, he's, this will also be his 30th fight, but he's probably not got the sort of, same sort of level of experience that you do and you're obviously favourite going into this one. How, how does that affect your, your mindset? Does that, does that help you in any way that you're going into it as favourite? Um, no, not, not necessarily, because some people, it'd be hard to win some people over. If I was to go and, like, you know, if I go and win on points, some people would probably slag me for it in that sense. But for me, it's a good opportunity. It's a good, it's a good opponent. And, you know, I... I'm looking to make a good statement from myself, not winning one, two or three rounds, just a good, solid performance that shows the levels. You know, I feel Sam has got a lot of miles on the clock. He's had 30 fights at 25 years of age or something, you know what I mean? He's, he's crammed them all in. He's had some tough fights. He's had some tough losses. So I feel that, you know, I want, I want to put it in a performance where people look and think, nah, he, he was that step ahead. And you mentioned that you're coming into this one off that last defeat to Mungir, uh how does that sort of affect your mindset going into this one? Is it, do you think it's important that you that you know you've you've had them two fights over in the states and then you're back home for this one, given the sort of importance on it? Yeah, they, they all just the fights in America. They just all add, you know, everything makes experience. Everything, everything makes you, you know, I'm top of the bill here and eight thousand people. But, um, some people could get caught, you know, in the headlights with that. Obviously, I've I've had the experience of fighting Canelo, fifty thousand people in Dallas and. Jaime Munguia in Las Vegas, they all just help towards the experience of dealing with situations and I've, I've had some big situations and dealt with them well and that's what helps me to deal with, you know, headlining my home city in Liverpool. And great for you to be coming back home as well, you mentioned coming back to Liverpool there and, and topping the bill as well and, and it's a bill that's got so much, you know, local talent on it, that how, how good is that for you in terms of, and good for the fans as well I suppose, how much of an experience will that be? Yeah, it's a, it's a privilege, you know, it's an honour. To, to headline a, a big show back in Liverpool and for the public to be drawn to it, you know, as we said, they're expecting over 8,000 already and, you know, you get a lot of walk-ins today and tomorrow, so I'm privileged, I'm honoured to be top of the bill on a card with such top fighters on and it's one that I'm massively excited about. And you've signed to Matchroom in, in, in the time since your last fight as well. What was the sort of thought process behind making that decision? You no, know, it was just like... I'd been, with, I'd been with Frank Warden a long time, I'd been with him 10 years and I felt I needed a change, whether it was, you know, Matchroom or any other any other organisation. Um, and then just the, the sit-down I had with Matchroom ticked all the boxes. You know, they're going from strength to strength at the minute with the zone, with Sky Sports and the American connections and I've seen what they're doing, they're doing good things with me brothers, so I feel it was a good it was a good chance now to to see what Matchroom can, can can bring to me for the next 12 months and then, you know, we sit down again, but, you know, it all starts with Sam Eggington on Saturday. And when we spoke to Callum last time, he mentioned that uh, before before he sort of signed up for the Muhammad Ali tournament, you, you'd all sat down as as a group of brothers and, and sort of discussed that decision. Was, was this another one of them maybe where you sat down with Stephen and Callum? Because obviously they're there with Matchroom, as you mentioned. Yeah, definitely it was, yeah. You know, we do, we're, we're a very close family. People mightn't see it, but we are. People think it might be just for cameras. It's not. And, you know, Callum wants to thank us now because it was our, it was... It was our decision that he went in the World Series, you know, his head was, was up his backside and he was like, what do I do here? I've Darrell, WC title for this much money in. He didn't know where because they were messing him about in Michigan, in, in um, LA and then Friday nights and they were just messing him about. He said, oh, I can go in that tournament. There'll be a world title in that tournament. George Groves is definitely in it and he didn't know any other fighters. We said, just the tournament's a no-brainer for it. You're confident of beating George Groves. So you'd be confident of winning it. And, you know, eventually that's what he'd done. He'd come out with both titles and he beat George Groves in the final. And, you know, we come out with a good a good load of money. And it was the best decision he ever made. The same with myself as in the matchroom deal. I went and sat with them and I said, look, matchroom offered me that three-fight deal, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I think it'd be a good move for you. And you mentioned how close you are with your brothers, given that they're, they're all sort of in the same profession as you. How, how important is it for you to, to have that sort of support network in terms of the way that they help, the way you help each other, I suppose? It's massive that the four of us have been in the same sport. We've all, we've all like come across the circumstances we're, we're dealing with, you know what I mean? Uh, like when I first come to a British title, I felt I'd been in that moment before because I had with Paul and Stephen, Callum was saying, Callum, you know, when Callum got his big, big chance, He's been around big bills, he's been 
in a changing room on a ring walk, stands in the ring, when me and Canelo are in the ring. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't really get much bigger than that, and that all adds how much nerve, the nervous energy we get for each other feels like it's yourself, and it does help. Trust me, it it settles you that little bit more. And it's clear to see that family is sort of a big thing for you. And we've seen all, all the brothers when you've when you fought as well. You've been raising awareness for autism, but with your with your sister also having the condition. Is is that something that for you keeps you going when you're in the ring? And maybe particularly when you when you sort of have the setbacks in your career, that's something that you know that, that pushes you on. Yeah, it's a, it's a big part of our lives. You know, she's she's an inspiration for all of us. She's a massive part in all our lives, not just a boxing career. You know what I mean? She's a she's a big big part of us and. You know, the more we can raise raise awareness for autism, the better. And the bigger profile fights, the bigger the awareness, the bigger the eyes go on the autism sign. And um, you know, we get messages daily. What does it mean? We're so proud you've got that on. I've got a son or I've got a daughter with it, and we just get messages daily throughout. And it's good to see. And the raising the awareness for it is just, for instance, me mum sat us down as we were kids. We well, not we were kids, but a number of years ago, and said. You know, your sister Holly, she's got autism, and the four of us said, what's that? You know, we didn't have a clue what it was, and people are still asking now what it is, so that's, that's what we need to just keep keep doing, keep plugging it out, keep raising awareness, so so we get people to ask what is autism, or, you know, people understand that they're not on their own, you know. For people people watching us, we're in the public eye, we're kind of sports stars, so think, wow, they've got a sister with autism, it's not just us. Some people may feel alone because it's hard work, and... You know, the more we can raise awareness for that, the better. That's a great message. That um, Callum obviously reaching the heights mentioned before the Muhammad Ali tournament. He's, he's won the, the super super middleweight title off off the off the back of that. Do you still hold them title aspirations yourself? This is obviously going to be a massive fight for you in terms of re-establishing yourself in, on that world stage. Yeah, definitely. And seeing Callum do it, you know, lit a fire back up in me and say, "I want that now. I want all the accolades and the recognition he's getting." You know. Um, it made me feel like I didn't appreciate mine when I had it a little bit more. Um, but that might stem from Callum's world champion on the number one in his division. I was world champion and still weren't number one in my division. You know, There was another two champions above me and they were established champions. I was obviously a new champion. So that's where that, that may come into it. But again, going off previous performances, I feel I'm definitely good enough to win a world title again. And obviously with the momentum, you know, excitement, fire back in my belly, I feel like I can do it. British boxing's in, in obviously a massively good space at the moment. Do you feel like Saturday night is a chance for Liverpool to sort of put their marker down on the map as well? It's obviously always been a big a big part of the British boxing scene in Liverpool, but a chance with the, with the talent that's on the bill and, and the fans who'll be inside the arena as well to sort of show that off. Yeah, definitely. And I feel that, like, you know, it's... When, I, you know, I said there today, we've been starved of top, of top nights, and I feel that, like, for the fights we've got in Liverpool, and, and I touched on this bill, this bill is... Is a top car for locals, and it's done eight thousand odd, odd tickets already. So that is a massive success. But what I meant by the show is a top show for local talent, but it hasn't got a star marquee name on it. We've had a mere car fight there the other, the other, you know, the other month. Um, you've had massive. It hasn't got a massive name. Who's on stupid amounts of money? You know what I mean? It's a top bill with a lot of top fighters, and it's great to see that the, especially the local support of have, have proper drawn into it and. For people, for promoters now to look at that and think, wow, Liverpool have done 8,000 tickets for that. We can go back there. And that's what we need to do, just kickstart a big a big revival in Liverpool for for boxing because we've got too many good fighters not getting not getting them chances. Yeah, and we've just been at the press conference there and obviously seeing the way that maybe some of the fighters were getting, getting a bit heated with each other. It seems like you and Sam, though, have, have, have quite a lot of respect for each other. Is, is, does that sort of impact the way that you approach it in the ring, having that respect? No, because that, that's where I feel that it's a different story to sparring in the fight. Obviously, when I get in a fight, I've got 10-ounce gloves on and I've got people screaming. That's when I get a, you get a spy for Liam Smith. Um, and I feel that'll be the difference. Obviously, I'll be spiteful and I'll have 10-ounce gloves on. And, you know, I can't come and disrespect him because, you know, he's helped me out in the past. He's turned up from Birmingham and sparred me when I've been struggling with sparring partners. And, you know, he's, he's accepted to be a sparring partner and I've paid him for a full camp. Um, you know, he, he, the the good people, they are the good people, and I, I can't sit and slag good people. So that's where the the respect side comes with. But you know, once we step in that ring, there won't be no respect. I want to do a job on them, and you know, I'm, I'll be looking to do that. And it wouldn't be a pre-fight chat without asking you for a prediction of of how you see it going. Then, yeah, I feel 
It'll be good, it'll be exciting because the two styles gel well. You know, um, styles make fights. Other people could beat Sam well easier. Sam could beat people easier than I beat them. You know what I mean? Styles make fights and just man Sam's fight will gel well, the styles. But I feel I do everything a little bit better than Sam. And like I said, with 10-ounce gloves on and a spy for Liam Smith, I hit him too often, too cleanly for him to stay in the fight. And I feel I'll probably, you know, I feel I'll have him out today by eight. And, you know, you're probably not looking beyond this fight in terms of what you have planned for the future, but there's been a bit of talk about you and maybe a couple of your brothers fighting at Anfield as well. That would obviously be something special to you as Reds and maybe a little league title to come to come potentially in the next couple of months as well. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, Liverpool in a great position for the league now and it's it's great to kind of like, great to see we're competing with City. People are saying the City team are the best team ever and we're competing with them for the title. So that's unbelievable to see. But from a boxing point of view, you know, Anfield was a big is a big part. It's a big thing on our tick list, and you know, um, hopefully we can maybe add a world title and with Callum go back there and see if we can get it over the line. You know what I mean? I think there was a couple of little stumbling blocks last time. I don't know whether we've missed the window now because it's only a certain amount of time you can fight there. But you know, I'm sure within the next year or two, Anfield will be on the agenda. I'd absolutely love to see that, Liam. Nice one for joining us and uh, best of luck on Saturday as well. And thank you to Reds Bet for, for hosting this as well. And that's been another uh, Anfield Rock special. Excellent stuff there from Josh and Liam. Listen, uh, Reds Bet are the lead sponsor of the Anfield Wrap in 2019 and we're really pleased to have them. Going to be doing loads of fantastic stuff around Daintree next week. Keep your eye out for that. But all the work done there by Josh, you can see some more interviews that he's done through Reds Bet's channels. And also, if you do want to gamble on that fight or anything else you fancy, please do consider doing it with Reds Bet. Uh, if you are somebody who chooses to do that, feel free to cross over. If it isn't for you, we understand it is not for you. We're not trying to pull people over for that sort of thing. And regardless whether it is for you, whether it isn't for you, always be responsible in every decision that you make, well, around your money in general, certainly in the current climate, but especially where gambling is concerned. Uh, thank you very much to Josh and again for Liam for that one. It was absolutely fantastic, a lovely conversation. And we will get over now to Yawusu. And it's John Gibbons here for the Anfield Wrap, and we are in a purposely built studio uh, just, well, in Anfield, just opposite the stadium. We're here on match day, funnily enough, as well, but we're here because we're here to talk about the Levi's Music Project. Uh, it's a studio that's been built by Levi's here, across the, as I say, across the road from Anfield. It's part of the Levi's Music Project that's been all over the world and has now come to Liverpool as part of... Well, they're their partnership with, with Liverpool Football Club that's running over the next year or so. And when they decided to do this project, they wanted the hottest guys involved, the biggest talents in Liverpool, the people who young people could learn from most. And obviously, Yao was their man, their go-to guy. Um, I mean, Yao's involved in everything. He's management, he's a promoter, he's... What else can we say about Yao? He's, he's involved in lymph. He's, he's, he's the main dude in Liverpool. And was that enough of a builder for you, Yao? You're shaking your head. You're going to get the snipers out for me now. <laughs> I'm just Yao. That's plain, plain and simple. But I'm I'm privileged to obviously be involved in something like this, which, you know, anything like this, when it comes to a city like ours, I, I think uh, is very important. We don't get loads of opportunities when it comes to music projects that are kind of high visibility and part of something that is international. And I think this is is a great opportunity. So I'm honestly, I am glad to be involved. Yeah, and these, it's um, a group of young people, all 16 to 24 year olds who had to apply. And I know the guys who were involved in the application process and choosing were outstanding like amazed by the talent that they got who said I can't believe you know these guys and girls who want to get involved what they're doing what they're doing on their own and just really excited yeah well you know I say this a lot of times like in terms of raw talent I put Liverpool against any city in the world you know I think like what I was saying before sometimes we don't get those chances of interaction um that can take a lot of artists to the next level. And, you know, there's a lot of projects in the city that do it, but I think what Levi's has got, I've got planned for this project in terms of the, the exposure to people of influence, like people like Loyal Carner, do you know what I mean? That are really going to allow these artists to actually soak up a lot more information, make connections with, with each other, but also these people who can take them further in their careers. I think that's the pivotal thing about this project, which probably differentiates it from anything that's occurred in the city in the last 10 years. Yeah, you mentioned Loyal Carner there. He was at the, at the first workshop, wasn't he? He's going to be involved throughout. He's going to be performing at Sound City and, and helping the young people kind of with, with their performance as well. And just having someone like him, who's, you know, a big Liverpool fan, he's very fond of the city, but also, you know, how he's gone about kind of his business really is really impressive, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, 
I, I saw who who's a supporter of Loyal and his music and, you know, him as a person and his message. You know, it's great to have really authentic um, people involved in this project. We've had people like Hannah V come and speak to the group. We've had Terry Walker come to people who are, you know, actively global icons and, and specialists in their field. But, you know, to have someone like Lord Connor being the, the head of this, like to see him and his dedication as he listened to every young person and engaged with every young person, the first session, and then his kind of ideas and, and what what he wants to bring to the table. It's very important because you see a lot of, lot of projects where they have figureheads that don't really get involved. It's yeah. just for the press or whatever. This is this is real. And, you know, I think every every young person there, when they found out it was him who was the artist there, was like astonished and excited. That's, and that's what it's about, fundamentally. So what have you been up to so far then? I know this, you've done quite a few sessions with them. Obviously, the young people got to know each other and everything. But what kind of things have you been doing? You know, because I've got a, a background, even before music and youth work and kind of, and, you know, artist development and stuff is, you know, we've done a lot of things early on with kind of, breaking down barriers the you're, you know you get a bunch of 15 young people from all across Merseyside come together and straight away you know what happens everyone plays the ball everyone protects themselves so we've done a lot of icebreak stuff where people have to come up and share songs and so I've worked on this and then people give them feedback we've done stuff where they've collaborated we've done jam sessions we've had you know guest speakers we've had a producer Hannah V who's, who's you know had a top 40 record and you know publishing deal and toured the world with Alicia Keys and Rihanna and Jesse J as a musician you know come and work with them we've had Terry Walker who worked with Damon Albarn who worked with Dame Dash who worked you know who just done something with Slam Remy who produced the Fuji's album and you know she's come and spoke to them about songwriting so we've done loads of sessions where they've kind of got information and shared information but and but a lot of practical practical activity which has helped them kind of break down their barriers and we honestly within four weeks myself and, and, the, and the team here at the Lighthouse and the team that are working on the Playmaker Group delivering the project we've just seen some awesome barriers break down and to me and I said this to Amika as I was coming up Amika artist from Liverpool but he's also a facilitator on the project I said I believe that you this may be one of the best projects I've ever been involved wow. in. And, and and I don't say that lightly because I feel like I've been involved in some good stuff. But this, <laughs> no, but I just feel like some of the some of those strides that these younger artists are making uh, have been phenomenal. I mentioned before Sound City, that's where it all kind of ends really or, or hopefully begins for, for kind of a lot of these artists. And people, you know, around the world listen to this might not realise that Sound City, if you're a musician in Liverpool, if you're a band, it's something you kind of aspire to, like, oh, get on that. So for these young people to get that opportunity is incredible, really. Yeah, I think that's what, I think the partnerships here, you know, between LFC and, you know, Levi's and the Light, Liverpool Lighthouse, which is the youth project, which is kind of housing it, and uh, Sound City have been tremendous because everybody's trying to put their best foot forward yeah. but once again to the to the betterment of the project so no one's trying to pull it in different ways you know it makes sense that this project ends at sound city because sound city is a great place to discover new talent but it's a great incubator for you know careers do you know what i mean it, it sound city is two ways it's, it's it's you know it's a great networking opportunity and great show showcase opportunity but you know even for lo local artists it's it is pretty much the start you know, as you launch your career, do you know what I mean? And sometimes, you know, the other side of it when you've actually made it and you yeah. come back. So I think that's really exciting. And once again, for them to be able to perform at that event, but also support Loyal Corner, yeah. who's a headliner, you know, you're going to have all these people that probably wouldn't know these artists come and see them and discover them. And I've got ultimate faith that a lot of people are going to be surprised by what they see and, and a lot of the artists on this project are going to gain new fans. I can't wait to, to kind of hear really and, and see what what you guys come up with and what, what kind of everyone comes up with really. And I think it's, you know, a bit more kind of on the project generally. I'd, you know, I looked around to see what else did the kind of, you know, ahead of the project where I knew, I knew the stuff that I done in London. But when you look at the cities, it's kind of New York, San Francisco. It's all the big cities where you think of the music. And, and Liverpool deserves to be up there, doesn't it? You know, we can be a bit kind of like, I don't know, timid about ourselves sometimes. Like, you know, Liverpool is a, is a musical powerhouse where all around the world people people know about it. And we, we just need to kind of shout about ourselves a bit more, I think. Well, I think, you know, projects like this, Lymph Academy, Sound City, Music Week, all these all these things I feel like are part of this new narrative. It's a collective voice that's saying, you know, we are shouting outside the city because I think all Scousers sometimes we talk to each other and tell each other how great we are, but sometimes <laughs> we don't shout outside the city. But, you know, I think it's it's a new collective voice that is like literally going, you know what, pay attention to us and pay attention to the talent here. You know what I mean? Because we've had 
from the fifth, late fifties right to through to early noughties, we had tremendous homegrown talent that was breaking out and doing great things. Last 10, 15 years, it's been a little bit quieter. Do you know what I mean? We obviously we have you know circle waves and lapsley and people like that come through, but I think we've just got to keep pushing through in this project like this that I believe give those opportunities because that's all I feel like we're ever asking for. Give us a level playing field, no pun intended. Give us a level playing field, and see how good we can play. That's all we ask. And projects like this give us a level playing field, and I think that's important. So tell us a bit more about the young people who are involved. And I think in a few months' time, we're going to be speaking to some of them. But in terms of you know the range of talent you've got, the range of skills, kind of you know presumably some people are kind of good at different things. Like what kind of what kind of boys and girls have you got in there? It's mad. We've got a totally diverse set, you know. And when I say diverse, I'm talking like musically diverse, um, skill wise. You know, you got you we got producers, straight up producers. We've got. Um, We've got musicians, we've got vocalists, we've got people who are really good at songwriting, people who aren't so great at songwriting, but are great vocalists. We've got people, you know, who have a bit more experience, bedroom producers, producers who've worked in groups. You know, it, it's it's exciting. It's a challenge to us, you know, to the team. You know, don't don't get it twisted. When I see the, <laughs> the list of people, I was like, oh, wow, this. let's see how this goes. But, you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm from a, a kind of, I suppose, a generation that believes, and, and I always come from a perspective that believes that if you can find something that unites people, that's what they're going to focus around. So like skill level, experience, different backgrounds, it, it, it goes out the window when it's like they've got this commonality and that's what we kind of focused on for the first three or four weeks. And I've seen already like what I think are going to be like lifelong relationship builds because you're probably like me. It's like we've got our older generation, so you've got like the guys from like cast and you've got people like Kevin McManus and you've right. got Dave Pitchling and all them are tight in it for 20 years they've all worked together and I'm, I'm and I used to go I wonder if I'll be like that I wonder if you know you know the guys from like yourselves you know will we in 20 years be like our kids we'll be like oh you look after my kids but I still I know I feel like that's what we're seeing here it's like you're seeing the start of something and it all starts with respect isn't it it's about people looking and respecting what other people do and I feel like this project is They've done a great job. The people who've who have helped recruit these, you know, who selected these young people because they've they've put something in a melting pot, which is uniquely like Liverpool, just a melting pot of talent. And I believe that it's good governance on the project, which means that you know they're all going to learn from each other and grow together. And I think they they won't forget these six this six, six months project for a long, long time. They've done a great job getting you involved as well, man. I do, I do mean that, honestly. I do mean that. I was, I was delighted when they said you were involved and it's a great thing going on here. The Anfield Rappers, we're going to be telling the story of this from now right through to the performances of Sound City. So make sure you're listening, not just the weekend that we're going to be doing little video stuff as well. Um, just telling the story and seeing where it ends up and seeing these young people astound everyone at Sound City, hopefully. But yeah, in the meantime, I presume I'm going back to Neil. Wasn't all that marvellous, excellent stuff across the board uh, on the weekend. Uh, so Spurs at home, drilling back down into it. Amelia Bonner, uh, Mike Nevin and uh, Adam Amelia. I've forgotten literally Adam's name. Which got the same name, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Amelia also. and um, Amelia. Yeah. We haven't known each other. I can't help that. We are, well, yes, we've only known each other for over 10 years. Uh, 15 <laughs> at the, the outside at this point, Adam. Yeah. Um, it is the hardest game of the season, possibly. Uh, although the Eden Hazard show at Anfield does yeah, loom large I, in my psychology. I'm more worried about that one. I think that the, yeah. because the Eden Hazard show. Well, yeah, and we've got we've got a poor a poorer record against Chelsea than we have against Tottenham. So, you, so this is one of the reasons why for you this isn't the big one. No, it isn't. It isn't. This is this is uh, you know this I, is the rather large one. Yeah, this is this is a big <laughs> this is a big game. I expect Liverpool to win. You know, I've, 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 as home games are throughout the season. Big one. Uh, no excellent stuff. So yeah. let me go all the way through here. I've got no idea what Tottenham are going to do. Just to sort of put that people in the context of that Tottenham played against Dortmund home and away three at the back. Uh, yeah. It's worth remembering that, so don't be surprised if Tottenham turn up and do three at the back. Was Dyer one of them because he's injured, isn't he? No, he wasn't. Uh, it will uh, Sanchez, uh, the lad whose name I can't say in Vertonghen. Um I can say fourth, and he played the first leg, but not the second. Um, so there's that. Also, Spurs are a bit thin. Dyer, you mentioned there, uh, injuries, couple of midfield questions. So ultimately, as ever, uh, I am doing the pick me a team thing. Um, Mike, I said teasingly at the end of part one I think he might do Oxlade Chamberlain give him a rest give him a little bit longer off before he uses him a great deal home Trent, away. I mean. uh, sorry uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, and I think he may well go with with Gomez right back as part of the reintegration of Joe Gomez but uh, what do you think he's going to do? I think it's a bit too soon for Gomez to be honest um, I can see you, you, you thinking behind sort of throwing him in and see how he gets on but it it feels like too big a game um, to make your first appearance in, you know, whatever it is, five months since uh, December. Um, 
for me, it's it's really all about about you know sort of the mid, midfield balance, and you know that that that's been the conundrum all season. And what what does does Kaita get re, uh, reintroduced? He hasn't played for a while. Shakiri's completely disappeared from the scene. I can't see him coming back in a game of this magnitude. Um, albeit that I can see him at some some point uh, before the end of the season. Um, it pretty much sort of picks itself. I, I think it'll be a very familiar Liverpool lineup. Um, Henderson probably. I think Henderson plays. I think Wijnaldum plays, and then it's probably well. It's probably Fabinho. But you know, I, I think that's. I think that's a, basically Liverpool's chosen best three in midfield. Yeah, it is just about basically saying pick me, pick me a midfield. When you say pick me a team, because I, I, if, unless you unless you front three, the front three, the front three is the front three, and I think yeah. probably unless unless he does something with Gomez and Trent or Gomez and Matic, which I don't think he will, uh, or Gomez and the big dog. I, I just I just don't see that. I don't. I, he loves throwing Lovren back in. Yeah, I just. He literally, honestly, it's his favorite thing in footy, more than winning, Gomez. more than doing that thing in front of the cop at the end. He loves a mad Asian Lovren. Gomez, so being, Gomez being available and him, thro- I, I him throwing him throwing Lovren back in would seem like a real a real stab in the heart to me personally. <laughs> oh, Gomez is back. It's frigging Lovren. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I think we're just saying pick me a midfield three. And I when I was I can't believe you all think he's going to go with the same back four. I'm re- I'm genuinely surprised. Given all of his form, given what the what he's about, given the fact that he will play Dejan Lovren at any opportunity, he's been on the bench for the last three games, though. Lovren, he's not been fit. I think he's I think he's now got him where he wants. I don't know. I don't know. Go on. I think anyway. I just think there's something going on with Lovren. Something. So. I can't I, I something. can't forget the sight of Dejan Lovren misjudging a header against Spurs, albeit at Wembley by about. Thirty-four. But then he picked him against him at Anfield last season. Yeah. I, but I think I think he's enjoying not having to go through that the, the ups and downs of Dejan Lovren. And I, I don't know. I can I can see him leaving at the end of the season. Anyway, um, I, I I sort of I, the only thing I was basically going to say the same as Mike, which is Genie Fab Henderson. Um, except that Henderson played uh, a lot for it. Played 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 quite a bit for England, and so it depends on him. I think that's a good thing. There was a lot of. I mean, he he doesn't get. Loads of plaudits from Liverpool fans. I mean, on social media, if you like. But I think it was it, there was a lot of there, there was a lot of nice things said about yeah, Henderson's yeah. performances for England, and he personally will have will have got a boost from that. Yeah, I think. definitely. I, 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 I didn't I see think, the first one. I saw the second, but the second one where he came on, he was really good. Set up a great goal for Sterling, yeah. and then kicked off on someone, which was boss. Yeah, was really good. you know, aside from the outside influence of what people are saying about yeah, if you've had two good games, then you're raring to go again, and. And I think Henderson's situation at Liverpool, being the captain, but not always playing, I think that that, that must play on your mentality. Yeah. Because yeah. you, as as captain of the club, really speaking, you should be playing every game, and he doesn't. And he so he realizes there's there's a, a threat to his place. So any situation whereby he can feel a bit uh, like a, a bit better about himself, I think is a really good thing. And. I'll never really call on England to do me any favours, but I think in this situation, I, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I mean, and, and people were, people including kind of me, I suppose, were a little bit uh, were, were a little bit put out by the fact that he came back from, from injury and then reported for England duty where he could have had a, a break like a few of our players did. Um, but it was pointed out to me that, that it's, he, he's, getting his, he's getting his sharpness back on someone else's time. Yeah. And I think that's actually what's happened. So, um, you know, hold my hands up there. I was, I was wrong about that one. And basically, I, that was, it was a, a roundabout way of saying I agree with the midfield you picked anyway, Mike. So. Uh, because it, it's, it's either it, it's either Henderson's one for come, me. Henderson's, Henderson's come back and he's and he's you know he's he's not quite sharp, but he looked sharp. And we, in which case, I'd slot Milner in there. But I, I think I think it is going to be Fab Genie Henderson. No one said Lalana's name yet. So. No one said Lalana's <laughs> name yet. Um, maybe with good reason. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is the. I, I think he's been really really good lately. I don't know if this is the game for him to continue being really good I don't know but he hasn't got away at international duty <coughs> yeah nor does James Milner and no one said James Milner's name yet either yeah. well you did you, but you, you in picked passing him. <laughs> you didn't give him the focus he deserves I mean I said his name <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it, well so the, the front three are the front three it'll make me feel a lot calmer to not talk about the defenders being mixed I'd just like to think that it's not going to happen but then it will be and I'll just be thinking of your face but um, I I don't know if I'd like to see Lallana start or if that's just me being kind of like but ahead of I, who because presumably he's going to pick well, Fabinho and presumably he picks Wijnaldum because he yeah, loves picking Wijnaldum yeah. I, th- I think the thing with Lallana is he's, he was out for so long we'd all written him off and then suddenly he comes back with it, with, with what was let's face it, it it was a decent performance uh, in the Against home the game good team. Um, was it Burnley? yeah, yeah. Um, but 
if you put that in the context of Lallana two, three seasons ago, no one's saying he's had a good game. Mm. He, you know, he, he charged down um, an incident first half, and which, which led to a goal, but there wasn't loads of creativity. He, yeah, he's good at holding the ball up, but I think I think basically the way that Lallana's performances in the last two games have to be placed in context from uh, in terms of what people were expecting. And it's a nice surprise to see him relatively effective but he's still nowhere near the player he was, and and and, and for that reason, I, I I think that all of the other midfielders that we've talked about um, in terms of getting picked, the, the way ahead of him still. Um, I, I don't know if it's a surprising performance in terms of what people expected of him, or a surprise performance in the face of a lot of people just absolutely fucking hating him for no real good reason. You know? I think <laughs> I'd almost say I'd like him not to be picked for this game, so that I don't have to listen to people being annoyed that he's been picked for this game. Like I'd. Uh, I partially agree with you, but I just I feel like I'm somehow geared to defend Well, there's a strange little run of fixtures where I think it's odd for him at Southampton. I think we've seen that in the past, that when he goes back there, it can be... Uh, he, he's not really performed. Then there's the then there's Porto, so there's the Spurs, then there's Southampton, Porto. But in the middle of the Porto games, that's where you've got your Chelsea at home, where, again, we'd all be sitting here saying, I don't, I'm not really sure about Lallana. There's, there's some games there where, where he can where he can start yeah, after that I think, and it. I don't I don't like him as a sub. That's another th- another th- mm-hmm. Lalana thing that that, that I, I quite I quite like him starting at Anfield against certain opposition. Basically, I, I think that's his his role now for me this season. I think the manager's going to want James Miller on the pitch in the last half an hour of every game. I thought that actually that was that was one of the things I was thinking when um when I was when I was not picking him because I was thinking about. Uh, you know how he how he's how he's coming on coming off the bench and sorting out whatever issues it is that need sorting for the last twenty minutes. With the exception of Everton away, unless the issue was the ball's not in touch enough. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of continuing with my theory of the last twenty minutes, but he shouldn't do anything for five minutes. Just sit down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I enjoyed the picture of him running through traffic in Dubai. It was good. Yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, he looked really cool. Like it was Will Smith or something. He always looks really cool these days. Yeah. Never has a man grown into his face more at a yeah. younger age than James Milner. So um, whenever he lifts up his top to like wipe the sweat off his face, and you remember that he's really fit. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That you're just like, how are you hiding that? But yeah, he's been one hell of a job. Um, all right then, like a fireman or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I think you seem relatively. <laughs> Like Flanders, um, yeah, there like is, Flanders. Mike. There is stupid, sexy Flanders. The end of this one is is going to be the approach, and, and you said before you feel as though it's going to be quite tight. For me, I feel as though if Liverpool get something from that. Firstly, two things I think: one, the scorer of the second goal in the game is crucial. I think this is a second goal game, not a first goal game, and I think if Liverpool can get themselves two 0 up, I think it becomes in Tottenham's interests. To, to stem the bleeding as much as trying to rebuild through the game mm. because of what the challenges they've got to come, which is Champions League and top four, which if they go with two points a game, they've got a lot of home games left as well, Spurs. I'm talking a lot here, but I need to say that. And the home games, they've got it quite straightforward. Us and City away are their only real headaches. Everything else they should win. So I think that that's there. But your your, your concern is this one becomes, becomes a bit of an epic. Well... I, th- I think all of these games be- be- potentially become epic at this stage of the season. Any game where you're not winning after a- an hour, and I feel like I've been saying this since, since October. I remember, <laughs> I, re- I remember, I remember feeling this at, uh, against Watford away when it was nil nil after an hour, and then Liverpool score, and they end, they end up winning three nil. Um, just the relentless nature of it, the needing to win games, draws not being good enough. I think that you know that that, that pervades all fixtures. But this one, because it's the quality of the opposition, really. So if it goes down to the last hour, last half hour rather, and it's and it's level, then there's two things that can happen. There can be something that's incredibly deflating, which is which is conceding a goal, or there's something that actually fires you on. And I, I, in in some ways, I think Liverpool are best served by a narrow victory late on than they are by winning three nil, because I, I don't I, I don't think winning three nil proves anything. Because we've we've seen Spurs collapse at Anfield before, um, not too much last season, but certainly in, in you know the last ten fifteen years, and I, I genuinely believe that a hard war, a hard fought two one with a, a goal 10-15 minutes from time, that's that's seismic in terms of what it does for people's minds. Focus. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I, I just can also, see that. I just also don't want the pain of it. Yeah, right. I, 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 I mean, I, what about the I would like... What about the glory? I would like us to score after 10 minutes and then every 10 minutes thereafter. <laughs> <laughs> every game this season remaining. But We're not playing Crystal Palace. No, I know. But I, I think that... Um, 
I can kind of see that, but I sort of think, are we are we haunted by ghosts of 2014? I think we, we comfortably beat Tottenham a couple of games before we ended up messing up against Chelsea last time. And it's sort of, the, the, the way these fixtures have fallen, there is like portents of doom everywhere. Um, but yeah, I... I, I so we beat Spurs 4-0, 4-0 and then lose to Chelsea. And then lose to Chelsea, yeah, yeah. So, so you can sort of, you know, that, that that's there in history, but... I think I think that there will be a lot of work getting getting the players heads right, and I think they're I think they're right already. So I sort of think that that you're right in terms of fan psychology, Mike. But I just I think I think that that play, player psychology uh, that they'll be they'll be happier doing it doing it the the, the three nil way. No one's mentioned that Poch has uh, got a touchline ban, by the way. I know I said it before yes, the show started. I didn't so, think that. so that's you know it's another one along with Mother's Day and the clocks changing, which <laughs> sort of slightly slightly <laughs> alter. Uh, I'm going to make a serious point. I think you're right in terms of like the the players' mentality at this point, right? And that so that might be fine for Sunday, but when you get down to the last three, yeah, honest to God, it is a different thing because yeah. this is their this is their entire careers. Yeah, yeah, um, and becoming Liverpool legends, it's gonna be hard. That, I know the one, with- and we're still fighting that whole, you know, so sort of weight of history, weight not not so much weight of the share because they've, they've, they've disproved that theory. But I keep thinking about how this is if it gets there, how Newcastle away is going to be really, really hard. Yeah, <laughs> and we've kind of horrendous. it's going to be horrendous, and we'd not really thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrified. Newcastle away is yeah. very much in my, New- my Newcastle radar. and Cardiff are, are both quite frightening. I think. Yeah, Newcastle. we haven't even thought about Wolves on the last day. If we need to win, no, they're good Wolves. But they, they are good. They yeah. could do without that. <laughs> but they're best get, if they get to the FA Cup final, though, yeah. well, that's yeah, that'll be a bonus. Might be playing the um, Yeah, prediction. Oh, can I go last? Because I feel like I jinxed it if I go first. Sorry, Adam. Two 0 Michael. I've already said mine, 2-1 to Liverpool, late goal, 15 minutes from Sarah. Yeah, I, that, I reckon that. You're going with that, you're going yeah. with the Mike Nevin view. Thank you to everyone who's done the weekend of this weekend, the three people in front of me, Amelia Bonner, Mike Nevin and Adam Melia. Liverpool up against the might that is Tottenham Hotspur, uh, who are now no wins in four as they turn up to Anfield and uh, face Liverpool down. Um, it's huge. Um, I think we're going to win. Sports Social Podcast Network.